This podcast is Challenging Opinions and is presented by William Campbell. Thank you for downloading the Challenging Opinions podcast for August 14th, 2017. More and more people in the US and in the West in general report in surveys and censuses that they have no religion. This seems to discomfort some religious people who say it leads to an increase in other non-rational beliefs. Is this true? Does it matter? Let's ask a priest who's been writing on the topic. Challenging Opinions is the podcast where ideas are tested. Whether you are left or right, conservative or progressive, devout or skeptic, what matters is the strength of your argument, not the strength of your voice. I'm joined on the line now by Father John Peck. He is an Orthodox priest in the Orthodox Church of America. Maybe, um, Father John, you might just, first of all, tell listeners who don't know exactly what is the Orthodox Church. Does that have a connection with Greek Orthodox or Russian Orthodox? Yes, the the Orthodox Church is sort of the church from which everything else has, has come. A thousand years ago, the the Roman Church was an Orthodox Church. Um, the differences between Orthodoxy are negligible. In Greece, it's Greek Orthodox. In Russia, it's Russian Orthodox. In Japan, it's Japanese Orthodox, and it's a very significant uh, presence. But the doctrine, the worship, the discipline, the spirituality is all identical. Language is different, music tradition is different, and the food that you eat afterwards is different, but everything else is identical. So <clears throat> it's very possible for me as an American priest who speaks almost nothing else, uh, you know, a little Greek here, a little Russian there, a little Yupik Eskimo here, but I can actually come celebrate with uh, clergy of traditions that uh, are completely varied uh, from Africa or Bolivia or uh, Romania, and we know exactly what to do in the service. We know exactly our parts to do, even though we might not speak the same language. I should say, um, John, that this is an unreformed church, so it is quite like the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, which perhaps developed in the west of Europe, and the Orthodox Church developed in the Balkans and in Russia and the, the east of Europe. Um, so it is not, emphatically not a Protestant church. In fact, you might say, would I be right in saying that it is maybe more traditional than, than more traditional Christianity than the Roman Catholic Church? Would that be right? Yes, it sort of predates scholasticism. To us, the Roman Church is the first Protestant Church, and it, that explains a lot, actually. Okay, and one thing that you wrote, I know, saw on your blog, um, you wrote a piece uh, which essentially, I think, was criticizing modern secular life, and the, the title of the blog post was Post-Christian America, Gullible, Intolerant, and Superstitious. What were you setting out to say there? Uh, actually, I republished that from uh, the National Review. Uh, David French wrote it, and I liked it so much that I, I thought it, it should be uh, uh, republished because it specifically uh, reflected my own experience with people who have eschewed uh, uh, traditional uh, religion, traditional Christianity. <clears throat> now, believe me, there's a lot of non-traditional Christianity here, which is Christian only in name. Mm -hmm. But 
the 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 same people who will uh, scoff at uh, belief in anything in the Bible, and I mean literally anything, mm-hmm. uh, will believe uh, that if you sit under a pyramid made of uh, PVC pipe, you're going to receive uh, energy from the universe, or that crystals somehow help you out, or they believe fervently in in alien abduction, and th- these things are the gospel, and the gospel has suddenly become fantasy. Hold on with that thought for a moment because um, I think you're right that there's a lot of silly people out there and there's a lot of silly beliefs out there and they are if one were to say that uh, Christianity or religions were silly uh, beliefs, the silliness is for sure not confined to religiosity. But just because you can find some examples of some silly people who are not religious, that doesn't mean that the whole project of reason, of the enlightenment, of of uh, modern thought is wrong, does it? No, no, not at all. Uh, reason, like anything, like any human endeavor, endeavor, has its limits. But, I mean, because, of course, reason uh, introduces vanity into logic and reasoning, which is why reasoning people don't always agree. But no, reason is is part of our human faculty, and <clears throat> this is where uh, this is where things get very confusing. I can be, uh, and I've often had discussions myself with uh, people who are very reasonable, have a lot of common sense, and they will turn around and and uh, say to me, uh, you know, my my house has a a, a bad or dark energy in it, so I'm going to burn some sage. And that will cleanse the evil spirits. So where, where did that come from? I, I, I ask questions about people who are otherwise very reasonable. And by the way, you're right. There's no shortage of silliness and people doing silly things or having silly opinions. But it's, it's gone far beyond uh, little housewives uh, running around with their children. Harvard graduates are are involved in things like this in large numbers. Uh, people who ought to know better, who ought, who ought to be able to reason better, are, are becoming part of either like the Jedi religion, as if it's real, or they're taking the religious cues from TV shows about witches and ask themselves, maybe I have powers too. And they're serious. It, there's, it is silly, but it's, you know, silliness becomes dangerous when you apply it to medicine, and it becomes dangerous spiritually when you apply it to spirituality. It's okay to have unusual opinions, but when you go all in on it uh, and you change the rules of reasoning for your spiritual life, you end up uh, sitting under pyramids, holding crystals, and going to vortex centers because you think there are great power areas that somehow will align your chakras or, you know, who knows what else. It's, it's a mad free-for-all, and trying to speak to people reasonably about it is exactly why I republished that article. Can, can, I separate out, can I separate out, John, a couple of the things there? First of all, I agree with you that there are some people who uh, who... who genuinely hold some really silly new age beliefs but I think you mentioned the Jedi religion and there's I think we talked in the last podcast about pastafarianism these are parodies people don't (laughs) really believe in that Uh, nobody really believes that they're a Jedi and they're having fun but to put those aside I agree with you that there are in some cases um, some really silly beliefs that people 
apparently genuinely believe in. Uh, I won't get into talking about Deepak Chopra, but the but are, are you are, are you sure, John? Are you sure that this is a thread that you want to start unraveling? Because if you criticise people, uh, you know, sitting under their crystals or whatever, is that inherently any more ridiculous uh, than believing that a two thousand year old carpenter is has been transformed into a modern day piece of bread? Uh, there is a big difference. There is a big difference. The, we can, you know, compare and contrast, but that's not what, really what this is about. This is about... Uh, so, so tell me what's the essential difference? Well, the essential difference is that uh, the, the Christian faith is based on the eyewitness of a person who actually existed, of who there's evidence that he existed, and for whom culture has changed so dramatically that we don't even recognize what it used to be like anymore. I actually gave a talk on uh, bioethics recently, and my topic was about um, the blessing of children and abortion in a post-abortion society. And uh, I had to start by by pointing out that... <clears throat> Christianity invented the concept of children. And, and it's not my opinion. It's something that historical uh, sociologists and anthropologists agree on, is that the ancient uh, historians refer to children, as, and I quote, as a little bit more than plants. And this, this dehumanization of slaves and people on the periphery, but particularly children, led to the circumstances of massive child abuse, child prostitution, things which we would find abhorrent. People forget, for example, that the ancient Jews, until the time of the Babylonian captivity, continued child sacrifice to Moloch. See, these ideas have concrete circumstances or results in society and culture. So while an individual can believe something and it's a little bit silly, uh, when it becomes mainstream, it drastically changes the uh, direction of society takes. Now, 200 years ago, when the first legal cremation took place in Britain, people were, were uh, overwhelmed with horror over it, that a man would, who was a Satan worshiper mm-hmm. would burn his own child's body. It, it, was, it was abhorrent. Today... By and large, I mean, Orthodox don't permit cremation, but even the Catholic Church, the bastion of Western civilization, now prefers it. But well, hold on, hold on for for the, let's separate out those thoughts for a moment. Um, first of all, you said that Christianity is based on re- the testimony of real witnesses. Um, I, I'm not sure mm-hmm. that's true. I think the Bible started to be written, the New Testament, the, the, the life of Jesus, started to be written about um, 50 to 70 years after the death of Jesus, which at the time would have been two or three generations later. Uh, but even if you take it that you have people who sincerely said that they saw miracles happen. Uh, we've seen recently um, Sati Sai Baba, an Indian mystic, and people who are alive today, who can speak sincerely into television cameras, claim that they have witnessed similar miracles being performed by him. That's not reliable, is it? Well, if you're talking about tricks by fakers, then no. Uh, but remember, let's let's de- decompress one of those thoughts, it's a common mistake to think that uh, Christianity takes its information and it was born from the Bible. 
the Bible was born out of the out of the church. The Bible was born out of the Christian community, which was already proclaiming the gospel, which was a witness specifically to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those eyewitnesses were not just twelve men who went from cowards to suddenly very bold. It it was twelve uh, twelve apostles, and then there were seventy apostles making out the outer circle, and then five hundred disciples outside of that, and thousands more outside of that in Christ's lifetime and immediately after his death. This isn't just a, a small group of uh, very committed people uh, passing around the word about somebody's special powers. There's no shortage of that guruism even today. The staying power of Christianity is specifically that the living witness of the gospel, the living experience of the Spirit, and these miracles continue uh, in varied places, not dependent on any particular guru. You can go to a monastery in Mount Athos, you can go to a monastery in Russia, you can go uh, to Siberia, and you can meet people who have unusual abilities, but they're not gathering disciples around them for themselves. They're not creating something new. Hang on a second. When you you say unusual abilities, John, when you say unusual abilities, do you mean uh, able to perform what people might recognize as a miracle? Yes, yes. But uh, again, not, uh, uh, not for show. Uh, there's a there's a gift of uh, tongues in the scriptures and in Christian experience, which is often misunderstood as some sort of uh, blathering incomprehensibly, which is an ancient pagan thing. But the actual gift of tongues is someone who can speak a language that they've never learned, or even more so, who can speak to a physicist about physics, or to a chemist about chemistry, or to an engineer about engineering when they have a third grade education. Now, that's not impressive to the world because, you know, we figure people can go look things up. But uh, it's this sort of thing that's sort of beyond the the realm of normal experience uh, that allows people to sort of get outside their own head and stop living between their ears and behind their forehead, but not for the thing itself. Uh, Let me go on then to... uh a different part of your argument. You are highlighting some people who are perhaps non-religious, who are believing in perhaps less than rational things or some silly things, I think is probably the best vocabulary. But would you accept that there's a large swathe of people who are not religious and are entirely rational and aren't attracted to alternative irrationalities either? That they are or are not. That, that they are not. That they are. That they're entirely rational in that they are not attracted to religion and they're not attracted to any uh, new age uh, jiggery pokery either. Yeah, and it's it's these people particularly that I'm I'm very concerned about uh, because I'm finding them. I my experience is that everybody has faith and everybody has a kind of religious. Uh, aspect to them. Let me give you a quick example, uh, and and bear with me for this because yeah. it's, it's worth the time. I'm holding in my hand right now a can of dark red kidney beans. At least that's what the label says. Okay, and I often use this in my class. Everybody has faith. Mm-hmm. You go to the store, you pick up a can like this, and it's got a label on it, but you don't know what's actually in it. And in a class, I will say, "What's in this can?" Everybody will say, "Dark red kidney beans." I said, "Are you sure?" They're sure, of course. But as soon as you start to introduce a doubt, a reasonable person thinks they're about to be had. So they're like, well, maybe there's not red kidney beans in it. And if you say, well, maybe I took off the label and I replaced it with another label. Maybe it was a mistake from the 
from the factory. Those things actually do happen. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, we have a reasonable faith that what we buy in the store is labeled as appropriately. That's not a stretch of of reasonable faith, even though there's so many places uh, in the chain of distribution where things can get messed up. So what's what's the relevance of that? Everybody has faith. But if you turn away from reasonable faith and you, you start finding uh, religiosity uh, uh, in stories of alien abduction, ideas of extraterrestrials, uh, in burning sage as uh, getting rid of evil spirits, it, see, from a Christian perspective, when you're burning sage, you're, you're offering, you're making a religious offering. You're like burning incense. And if you're burning incense to evil spirits, they like that. And you're involved in demonic worship. We don't want people to do that. We don't think that's good for them. Okay, but well, hold on. Let's let's John John. Let's let's just look at examine that for a moment. Because in your case with the uh, with the red kidney beans or whatever, people have a limited amount of time that they can process information and a limited amount of of uh, ability to process information and. It's entirely reasonable for people to make assumptions based on past experience. Every time I've got a can yes. of kidney beans from the supermarket, it has turned out to be uh, uh, to have uh, kidney beans inside, just like it says on the label. Um, but I'm not the first person to have said it, that throughout history, every mystery ever solved has turned out to be not magic. Therefore, that's a good reason to be suspicious about superstition. Yes, Absolutely. We agree with and that. In, and in that, I would include religion. True. Uh, if you look at religion as, a, as an orderly set of uh, beliefs that cannot be proven, mm-hmm. when you talk about a mystery, you know, in, in a lot of times when we buy things from the store, what we're really doing is we're, we're handing off and, and concentrating, sorry, wrong word, we're depending on another authority. And we're taking that authority's word for something else. In, in this case, it's the Albertsons Company because it's their label and it's mm-hmm. their store. And we, we have some reasonable expectation that if they want to remain in business, Albertsons better produce and distribute things that are uh, as they're presented. Um, we want truth in advertising as much as possible. And in, in the religious world, there's a strong misunderstanding of the word mystery. A mystery isn't something you can't know anything about. It's just something you can't know everything about. You know, you take the brain, for example. It turns out that in spite of what a lot of scientists have thought for a long time, the brain doesn't process information. It doesn't store memories. It's, it's scientists finding out something else about it. And don't get me wrong, I'm not a brain scientist. I, don't, uh, I only read what's sort of coming down the pike, but unusual ideas have consequences uh, that go far beyond people's personal lives. And in the, in the quest for meaning, and people do have an existential quest to find out why am I here, what does my life mean, what does life in general mean, what, should I, what am I supposed to be doing? If they can't find an answer, they'll make one up. And this is where you and this is where you end up with stuff like that. John, one thing I want to move on to um, is another point that you made in, in that's made in this this post that you you uh, reposted, which is that there's a suggestion that people are hardwired, perhaps by evolution, to believe in some sort of uh, 
superstition or religion or mysticism and and that you this is suggested as an as a reasoning behind why people when about when people abandon religion they may uh they may take up some other superstitious or silly beliefs that's entirely possible in my view the, the, it's entirely possible that uh evolution selected for people who believed in a greater power perhaps it meant that groups that uh you know felt a, a strong duty towards looking after each other were stronger than groups that weren't but would you agree that even if that's true even if even if humans are hardwired to tend to believe in a god or a higher power, that doesn't make it any truer than if they weren't. Uh, people's opinions don't make something true just because they think about it. Of course not. Um, but, you know, there's evidence that goes beyond uh, sort of individual things. What is the oldest uh, temple in Turkey? The oldest human uh, building was, was a temple. Mm-hmm. Human civilization began with worship. It's not a surprise it, to us, anyway. It's not a surprise because it's very much a part of uh, of who we are. We're because it. I guess the best way to say it is, we fulfill something inside ourselves when we search out and discover meaning in worship. If people turn away from uh, Christian truths, they'll find something else. Scientists find it in their labs, and that's the origin of scientism, which is a real thing. People should look it up. Uh, but they'll always find some other religion to fill the gap. John, wouldn't you agree that if you want to call it scientism, or at least the faith in in, in reason and science, faith with a small f... No, that's a different has, thing. Scientism it, is a real thing. T- tell me briefly what it is. Well, scientism is the belief that science can answer all the, all the uh, uh, questions and problems of, uh, of mankind. That's not what science does. W- wouldn't you say that science is conspicuously more successful at conclusively answering questions than any other uh, system of thought. Oh, no. Magic carpets don't fly. Rockets do. True. But the question isn't whether or not carpets fly. It's it's whether or not you can get a carpet to fly. Science is in the business of of proving or disproving hypotheses. It, It doesn't give meaning. It simply provides additional information. You know, this is why arguments over the Shroud of Turin, people will always get very wound up about it. Say, well, how is this going to affect your faith? Well, it doesn't affect my faith at all. My faith isn't based on a piece of cloth. Likewise, likewise. Hold on. Science has a place because it's based on—the word science comes from the Latin word scientia, which means knowledge. But how many things that are passing for science today? How many, uh, look at global warming. Well, sorry, climate change is the new word for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the evidence for it was completely doctored up. And now it's not only uh, considered a, a reality, but there's policies based on it. And those policies are not helpful for the individual. The rich people are able to get away with buying carbon credits, but they own the carbon credit company, so they're just paying themselves. Oh, hold on, hold on for a second there. I'm not going to get into a debate about uh, climate change, and neither of us are scientists on that. However, the policies that derive from a particular scientific discovery have no uh, nothing to say about the merit of that discovery. That is exactly correct. It, it, policies which are based on 
bad information, our bad policies. Nevertheless, but even bad policies, note, but John, bad policies based on good information, they may discredit the policies, but they don't discredit the information. That is correct. So the question is, how do you find good information? And I'm saying, and this is my point, is that when everybody else can't figure out whether or not a, a child in the womb Two minutes before it's born is a is a is a live human being, and two minutes later, uh, it's a it's a legal human being. Mm-hmm. That's that's not in science. That's not knowledge, and that's that's bad for everyone because that's a dehumanization of humanity. So I'm saying, idea these ideas you can call them silly or unreasonable, but these ideas have consequences in people's real mind and heart, and they decide for them what is science, what is knowledge. This is the problem. There's no such thing as pure reason for an individual. Father John Peck, Orthodox priest and also the blogger at the Orthodox Church of Tomorrow, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you, William. And God, if 30 minutes went by in a flash, you are a good interviewer. Never miss a show. Follow at Challenging O on Twitter and like Challenging Opinions on Facebook for updates on each show's contents. That's all for the Changing Opinions podcast published on August 14th, 2017. I have links to Father John's blog and other things we were talking about in the show notes for this podcast that you can find on the website. And do you know someone who I should interview? I would be very interested to hear your feedback on what I should cover and who I should talk to. So get in touch. And if you like the podcast, there's one thing that you could do that would really help other people to find it. Go on iTunes, give the podcast a rating and write a short review. There's a link on the website directly to the iTunes page. Also, please like the show on Facebook and on Twitter. You can follow the show at Challenging O. And most importantly, subscribe to the show for free. You can use Apple Podcasts or Google Play or any other podcast app or software. There's links and an RSS feed for all of that on the website. And I know not everyone uses podcast software, so if you want just a brief email alert each time a new podcast goes live so you can click through and listen to it on the website, just go there and put in your email address and you'll get one brief email for each new podcast, but no spam, I promise. You can find all of that or get in touch with me at www.challengingopinions.com. The Challenging Opinions podcast is produced and presented by me, William Campbell. The assistant producer is Liam McLaughlin. Thank you for listening.